This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. What's that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Major news, everybody. Ronnie O'Sullivan has just left the second captain's studios. That's right, the rocket. Ronnie O'Sullivan, a giant of world sports, seven-time world snooker champion, sub-35 minute 10k runner as well, it should be said, which is not too shabby. Somebody who's been in our sporting consciousness for literally decades popped into us today and he brought pastries. A sound man. To listen to the interview in full, you know what you need to do. For now, please content yourself with this section of the chat as Ronnie explains how the arrival of Ken Doherty into his snooker club in Ilford inadvertently sent young Ronnie's technique back years. Listen, I was quite you know, impressionable as a young kid. Ken was the best player I'd ever seen live play the game. You know, I never got to see Steve Davis live, I just from the TV. So obviously day to day in the same club as Ken, watching him, admiring him, thinking, you know, I'd love to be able to play the game as good as Ken. So I thought if I endorse some of the things that he does, his technique, him and James Watana, really. James Watana was another one that I used to copy. Um, you know, and, and and in hindsight, I probably should have stuck with what I had, which was pretty good as it was. Um, whether all snooker players go through that, where they chop and change techniques and end up regretting it, I don't know. But um, yeah, I lost some of my dynamic, my power, my natural power. Um, and yeah, just sort of, yeah, yeah, a bit of a, one of the one of the regrets of my life, not because, you know, it, it just didn't work for me, you know, I should have kept with what I got, but as a kid, like I said, you're impressionable and you want to learn, you want to, I, all I wanted to do was be better than Ken. Yeah. You know? um, How long did it take you then to get that back, to, to work it all back to where I, you were when you were I don't 14? think I've ever, ever got back to where I was, um, Ever, um, I think it, I, I went so long with struggling, uh, maybe six, seven years. Um, I think in 2000, I spoke to a coach, a guy called Frank Adamson, who coached Stephen Lee. And I said to him, Look, I, li- I like the job you've done with Stephen. Um, can you do that with me? I said, because, um, you know, I knew I had to stop self-coaching and, and get someone that can look from the outside in and give me, you know, and, and, and just trust them. Mm. And it took a while. It took a year before I f- really felt comfortable with it and the changes I made from 1999 to 2000 
um, were, were massive. You know, I look back now at videos of when I was playing between 1996, 1997 to 2000, and you know, and then from 2001 onwards, it's like I've changed for the better, but still not quite got back to how I heard it before, you know, mm. and I don't think I ever will. And that's the thing that um, has plagued me more than anything, you know, not the game, just my technique and my ability to, f you know, hit the sweet spot of that ball every time, you know. Jeepers. Does Ken know all this? You trace not it all back really, to that? Not really, not really, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't Ken, maybe it was just, I don't know, I'm just, sometimes you try to look back and kind of go, well, where did I go wrong? Where should have I... Well, hang on, sorry, I should just say, you're a seven-time world champion. You're one of the greatest mm. sports people around. Yeah. And you're talking about where did it all go wrong? Yeah. Like the George Best line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm always thinking, like, what could have been? Not, not, not like, oh, yeah, I'm grateful for what I got. Yeah, I kind of have to force myself to think of, like, the, the glass is half full, if you like. But then I kind of think, well, what could I have eked a bit more out of? You know, what could have been? So, um, yeah, I'm always like living that sort of place of like, hmm, I wonder how many I could have got. Um, if really? I'd yeah. Yeah. yeah I wonder. Even now, even having won one again yeah. as recently as last year. Yeah. I always wonder, like there was, there was two or three that got away. So there could have been nine. Um, and then I think if I would have not had my problems with my technique and be happy in my game, maybe I wouldn't have found solace in drinking drugs and lost five or six years from 1995 to 2000. I maybe could have won a world championships a bit earlier. Could have won 10, could have won 11, could have won 12. Who knows? Um, I'll take seven because of, uh, because of, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I never, at one stage, I thought I might not ever win one because that's how bad and unconfident I felt within my game. You know, I went from being super confident as a kid on and off the table to really unconfident because I, my game kind of, it wasn't right, you know, and I, and, a lot of my confidence was based on my game as a person. Mm. You know, it kind of gave me, you know, that belief that you get from something just kind of, you carry it through you every day. It's like your your natural state most of the time. But when I lost it, I was, you know, it was hard. It was really hard. And I still haven't got it. That's why I still struggle, you know, because I'm wrestling with the game. You know, I'm wrestling with that. Is it there? Ain't it there? Is it there? Ain't it there? <laughs> You know, oh, okay, it's there, got through, oh, relief. And you just think, it's, it's quite exhausting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been out running lately? Yeah, I was, um, I've been out every day, apart from yesterday, because I had to start early, doing some press for the book. Um, so I won't run, I didn't run yesterday, I didn't run today. I'll start my run tomorrow again. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm enjoy I love my, I love, I don't love running. I love the feeling that I get from it. And I love the, you know, the, you know, how I feel after a run, it's sort of like start the day off with a run and then the rest of the day is like, if it's an average day, it's still a great day, you know what I mean? Like, so it's good, it's good for me and my well-being. You know? Yeah, I got to say, you forced me out this morning. Just, I don't, I don't know if it was, I don't know if you, you inspired me or I just felt guilty about, I've been a bit sluggish the last couple of weeks yeah. and I thought I want to talk to you about running and you're, you write about it so beautifully. Yeah. So I forced myself out this morning. I have to thank you for that. Yeah. What, what, what are your tips for anyone who, kind of wants to get out there but doesn't want to get out of bed because you know it's it's a cosy place especially during the winter not so much now yeah I always find um, accountability is good so arrange a run with a friend um, you know meet up so every morning I try to do that and then there's 
But then that can be a danger as well because you think, well, if I haven't got someone to run with, am I likely to do it? So sometimes I have to force myself to run some weeks on my own just to prove to myself that I don't need anybody because you sometimes you've got to just do it on your own. And, you, and I can, but you just kind of... I always think meeting up with a friend is, you know, it's like you can't get out of it. You know, I'm meeting <laughs> you at half seven. Like, I can't ring him at quarter to seven and say, like, I don't feel like it because that's really not good. So that is one of my best sort of um, tips. And I think buy yourself a heart rate monitor, mm-hmm. um, get a watch and, 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 and train in a zone that's so easy that it actually feels quite boring. Um, because I think a lot of people try to go out the door, run hard, me included, and we kind of blow up a little bit too early. I think I always like to, if you're running for half an hour, 20 minutes or an hour, the first half should feel boring. Um, the second half, you can then go, All right, okay, let's finish strong. So it's kind of like a, a lot of the people that I know that run the marathon, and they run it very well. A friend of mine, he's 52, and he's just run two hours 30. Oh, wow. Which is one of the best, he's one of the best 50-year-olds in the country. And his his advice is, if if you're not bored after halfway, you've gone too hard. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it's a, a marathon, half marathon, 10K, 5K. Learning to run the first half easy enough to allow yourself to push really hard on the second half is the key. Mm. Um so a heart rate monitor helps you stay within that zone and you get much more out of it. In fact, when you train properly, it feels easy. Um, 20% of your training should feel hard. A lot of people struggle to do that. Um, but it's quite weird. You know, a lot of, if you're, if you become a distance runner, a lot of the time it's about, you know, recovering. So on a, you know, 20% of my runs will be hard. 80% of it, I try to keep as easy as I can. Um, because the improvements are made when you're fresh. Yeah. Um, but to get fresh, you've got to go easy as well. You know? <laughs> and then when you run hard, you've got to be fresh enough to run hard, if that makes sense. You must be running pretty hard when you ran a sub 35-minute 10K, which is very, very impressive running, Ronnie. That was a bit out of my comfort zone. Uh, the week, the, about the month before I ran 35.50, and that felt easy. I come over line 35.50, and I thought, oh, that was a doddle. You know, I wasn't even out of breath. So I knew there was a bit more in there. And then when I went to France... <laughs> I was with the Supersonic Running family. So my mate Chris Davis, he runs 28 minutes uh, for 10K. He ran in the Commonwealth Games. His brother-in-law run 2.09 for the marathon, come 10th in the Commonwealth Games. Okay. His other brother-in-law run 2 hours 16 for a marathon. His sister's run 34 minutes for 10K. His girlfriend's run 35 minutes for 10K. So I'm surrounded by this this family in France. We've, got, we've all gone away on a, a running holiday. And, uh, and the brother-in-law said, I can't do the half marathon because I'm not fit, but I'm going to pace you round to get a PB. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I got to 5K in about 17 minutes. We went, we're on, we're on target. I went, Mark, I can't keep this up. <laughs> he went, you can, you can. He said, chest up, chest up, chest up, run tall. And I went, I'm dying, Mark. And he went, just keep going. And I kept going and kept going. And then we got to about 9K. And I went, and I just, and I just went. And, I, and, I, and he went, and then after the race, he went, you're telling me at 5K you couldn't go? He said, but the last K, I said, yeah, because it was only a K to go. <laughs> I said, look, 5K when you're dying and you've got another 5K to go, you're like, I can't do this again. So I managed to shave a minute off my PB, but it was only because he dragged me around. Otherwise, I'd have just, I'd have cruised in at 35, 30 or something. I 
spoke to a knee surgeon recently just socially I just met him mm. on a social occasion and he said to me oh you're still running your marathons and mm. I said yeah you know, hoping for a follow up about uh, what are your times or you know some yeah, yeah. some running talk and he's like yeah alright I'll see you in a few years um, <laughs> which it, people always talk about they don't know what about running they don't talk about footballers getting injured but there's, there's, there's the stigma around runners just like wrecking yeah. their knees and everything but yeah. you are uh, a professional snooker player yeah. you've always got that to think about yeah. so does it has it ever impacted on your snooker picking up the, the kind of niggles and the injuries that you get from running? Sometimes, but I always think the good as far outweighed the bad. So I've sprained ankles, broken feet, um, overtrained, gone into matches tired. But really, on the whole, over the twenty years of having running in my life, it's kind of like definitely kept me sane. Um, because like running is a physical sport, but snooker is a mental sport. So I've mentally bashed myself up for 25, 30 years, all, all snooker players do. Um, so for me, to be able to balance the books, I get out and I run, clear my mind, and it allows me to come back with a clear head to, mm. to face the mental side of the sport, which snooker is. It's a mental sport, it's not a physical sport. So a clear head for snooker is is what you need, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've definitely had my injuries, but they've been... You know, you can't compare the the trade between the positives and the negatives that it's had in my life. Far the positives far outweigh the negatives. Were you a happy kid? Yeah, very happy kid. Um, I know it sounds crazy because a lot of people say this. You know, they look into your childhood, and I had a great upbringing, great life, happy kid. Probably a bit too happy-go-lucky in many ways. Um, I think my dad was a bit like a um, tough taskmaster on me little bit like maybe Serena Williams' dad was with his daughters, you know, just a, just sort of drummed it into me. Um, in what way? What, what just, form of that Just thing? to win, just to win, just to, you know, to show no emotion, you know, you know, losing has to hurt. You know, I'd lose and I'd be like, oh, like, can we come back later for the handicap? And my dad went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on the way on a, home in the car, I never went near a snooker table for 10 weeks. He proper like insulted me in front of his dad and I'm like 10 and I just lost a challenge match to a kid and I wasn't bothered because I just what I was thinking about can I play on the Sunday night one frame handicap and he was like you embarrassed me you losing didn't hurt you and I'm like I was like wow like I'd embarrassed him in front of because I lost to another 10 year old and I was like oh, really uh, and that, that that was quite hard you know because I I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to enjoy, <laughs> you know, just play pop balls, <laughs> and you know, and, it, and then it turned into like, no, you're not just going to pop balls. You're gonna, you're gonna become this monster. How did you deal with that? Because this yeah. is something, you know, you could say it worked in one way in, yeah. in, in that you've become this seven-time world champion. Yeah. But did it damage you in other ways? Do you think? I suppose in some ways uh, I became a person, or that I wasn't naturally supposed to you know it wasn't it wasn't natural to me i look at other people and i I look at them and i go yeah it it comes natural to them to to survive in the heat of battle to to want to win to compete to you know look at stephen hendry i just think it's in his dna you know that you don't have to teach that he was just like he was just pro you know he was just guided by ian doyle to be disciplined but really he didn't have to really employ a sports psychologist for Stephen Hendry it was just like he was mm-hmm. built to just just to win um, yeah I, I wasn't and I think 
you know, um, I think in a way I became someone I wasn't and I'm not really comfortable with it either. Um, but it's hard, you know, you know, because there is a there is a winning mentality and there is a losing mentality. And the minute I switch off, I lose. The minute I have to switch on, which is a lot of the work I've done with Steve Peters, which is basically designed to make me think like Stephen Hendry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and it's sort of like, I have to really work at it. I have to really work at being that resilient, that, that intense. And because really, I just want to go, can we just like have a bit of fun here and just like, you know, see if we can pop 15 reds, 15 blacks without touching cushions and just have a laugh. Well, there's an amazing, there's an amazing clip that you mentioned in your Mm. book when you were interviewed by Danny Baker. We're going to have a listen Mm. to this. Young snooker players today don't have to hustle. Ronnie O'Sullivan has already won several thousand pounds from tournaments at the age of 11. My uncle got a table for his son and I started playing that and I thought it was good. Couldn't knit a ball to save my life, but and then my dad got me a table at Christmas. How do you feel when you watch Snooker on the television you see the Steve Davises and everybody else? Is that where you're headed? Yeah. How big do you want to be? 5'10". I mean you weren't joking you were just innocently asking the question yeah yeah, because that was always my thing because I was at the snooker club and I was like obviously smaller than all the good players like Ken and that they were like just getting over potting balls and I used to to have to use the rest a lot and I used to say to my dad do you think I'll ever grow tall enough to be like like those guys I said because if I don't grow I'm never going to be as good as they are he went yeah don't worry you'll grow you'll grow so I had this thing of like I needed to be at least 5'10 to be a good snooker player. I looked at Stephen Hendry, Steve Davis, I thought, oh, six, <laughs> six feet. So the the perfect height, the perfect height, I'll take 5'10, you know, six foot might be out of the question. I might be asking a bit much because I was just a midget, really, a little, little, I was little, little Ronnie. Um, so I just 5'10 would have been, if you'd have handed me that then, <laughs> I'd have been happy with that. So I, I think, listen to that, I, I don't know what you feel. I feel this, it's very poignant because you're so innocent, you're just mm. a little kid. Mm. Also, knowing what's to come in your life and how mm. fast you're going to have to grow up mm. just a few years later, it feels very poignant to me. What's it like to you listening back to yourself at that age? Yeah, obviously just a kid, um, young, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I was like, I, 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 yeah, I just, when I look back at some of that footage and when I was a kid playing, I just, I just think, you know, I was just loving the game, playing. If I could have kept on that track, I always like I say, I always wonder what what could have been. Um, but it is, you know, it is what it is, and yeah, I just sort of looking back on it. I suppose I don't know. I don't know what to make of it all. To be honest, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a weird one. Um, I don't know. I just sometimes I'm I sometimes I think I'm the worst snooker player in the world. I think like you know, it's all a bit of a hoax. I feel like there's imposter syndrome going on. You're serious? You yeah. At this stage? Yeah, yeah. even at this stage, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It'll never leave me. I've given up trying to sort of convince myself. Um, otherwise, you know, I've worked a lot with Steve Peters and I'm, I'm much better at kind of... I have to look at facts now. That's the only thing I can do is look at facts because that's the only thing that I, I just can't mess about with. Feelings and my interpretation... I, I come up with all the wrong answers. Um, so I'm really bad at analysing and judging my own performance. I'm really bad at kind of... I'm really good at putting other people up there and putting myself down there. Um, and then I'll, you know, and then, I'll kind of like go, OK, well, let's just get the facts. You know, I've won seven Worlds, seven UK, seven Masters. I've been successful as a junior, as an amateur. Come on, it's not a hoax. It's not... 
There's no imposter, you know what I mean? This is all real stuff. Just to kind of get myself to a point where I'm like, I feel like worthy, you know what I mean? So, mm. and it's horrible feeling because you think, I don't know, it's just sort of like, you know, just hard on myself, you know, I'm just really, really hard on myself. So I, I don't really allow myself to enjoy it because I just think, you know, I just think, you know, something, something's, <laughs> it's hard to put my, you know, uh, yeah, I just think, I don't deserve it, you know, don't deserve it, it shouldn't be, you know, if I'd have been that kid at 12, 13, 14, and how I was feeling, I was confident in myself, I'd go, yeah, it all, two plus two, it works, it's, it's, it makes sense, but from how I feel, and how insecure I feel about the game, to then warrant all them wins, and the success that I've managed to get in snooker, I do the maths, and I'm like, no, it can't be right, <laughs> Every, you know what I mean, there's something not right here. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For a blue coin, won't you bring back all those colors to my dreams? Give a damn about the money, being shot, take the title, take it all, and go to jail tomorrow. This chump has got everybody scared. Scared of what? You told him I don't have nothing but a prayer. Well, chump, all I need is a prayer, because if that prayer reached the right man, not only will George Fulman fall, the mountains will fall. Oh, my God, he's won the title back at 32. This brash young boxer is something to see, and the heavyweight championship is his destiny. You saw him on television, there was no one more beautiful. You saw him walking down the street, he was a beautiful thing to see. He moved around the ring, he had style and class, he was tall and good looking. Everything you'd want from a boxer, wrestler, football player. And to be honest with you, he belonged to the arts because he had poem, poetry, he had it all. Specimen, fighting machine. You know, he was handsome, he was articulate, he was funny, charismatic, and was whooping ass too. Ronnie O'Sullivan's book Unbreakable is out now. It's brilliant stuff if you want a companion piece to our Ronnie chat on the World Service. He says at one stage in the book, you can come and have a stroll around my head if you want. And that's 
pretty much what we did on the podcast today, a similar kind of a journey. So to listen to that chat in full, sign up now on secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus VAT. It's Ronnie O'Sullivan, folks, and he's in great form. Second Captain's podcast is part of the ACAS Creator Network. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.